Production. Recorded live. All right. Good evening, everybody. Uh, today is Friday, May 4th, 2018, and we have a, a special call tonight uh, focused on uh, parents who have had their, their children taken away by uh, Children Protective Services, which is anything but protective. Um, so uh, we have uh, three speakers lined up for us tonight, and we will go through uh, three of them, and then we'll go to uh, question and answer for anybody that has any questions. Um, I wanted to make an announcement. Uh, I was part of a, a group where I uh, found some of these folks, and uh, if you're on a speakerphone, do not use a speakerphone. Anyway, I found this Facebook group. Um, people who lost children to uh, custody, or whatever the name of it is. And one of the things I've noticed about this group is that they are kind of a support group, kind of a make-you-feel-good group. But I haven't found any... Anything that is solution-oriented. I haven't found people coming out and saying, hey, here's how you get your kids back. They're just kind of, you know, making each other feel good. And that's that has its place, but in the end, you want to get your children back. So what I've done is I've set up uh, my own Facebook group, which is called Solutions for Parents Who Lost Custody of Children, CPS. So if you want to look that up, uh, feel free to do so. Um, we're going to start with our first speaker tonight, Robin. And Robin has experience, previous experience, in helping parents get their children back from CPS. And this is really powerful stuff. So Robin, uh, take it away. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Okay. So... Um Basically, um, you know, I just want to let everybody know that, um, you know, we're, I'm not um, involved with this because, you know, we were, this was something that was planned or anything like that. Um, I, I got a call today and asked, was asked to come on the call and just help people to understand what the situation is. And so, um, I really want people to understand what is being done and how it's being done um, so that they can get more of an idea of what the solution is. So in most cases, when your children are taken away, it starts in the hospital when you sign paperwork at the hospital and the mother is listed as an informant, and that creates a whole other entity. And, you know, I, I don't want to go too far into that because I don't know, you know, the different levels where people are, but I just want right. them to know that it really starts with the paperwork at the hospital. And um, it goes from there um, the solution to a lot of the problems is really getting to the root of the of the cause, why they're taking them, and being able to understand different ways that um, you can change things or prevent things from happening just by things that are done. So, um, like I said, the and I'm not saying for anybody to not sign the paperwork at the hospital but there's ways that you can sign documents because you're entering into a contract whether you know it or not. Anytime that you sign documents, especially if they're being presented to you by government or quasi-government agencies. So um, one way is being able to understand how to sign documents if you feel like you're being forced. And again, I'm not saying not to sign the documents because they're having issues now where people have have told the hospital that they don't want to sign the documents and the hospital has threatened to not allow them to walk out of the hospital with their child. And they've been threatened 
threatening that for a long time, but I have never um, in the past heard of anybody where they've actually followed through with that. But just within the last, I guess, few months, I, I did hear of a case where that was what happened. A woman refused to sign the documents at the hospital, and they took her child. So, you know, I'm just trying to more so let people know what's going on. And um, another way that they're able to do that is um, when you have um, the the parent or the, the mother um, now is not able to put the father's name on the birth certificate unless he's actually there to sign for paternity. Wow. You know, so that is another thing that they're doing. They're, they're doing a lot of different things because before you could just put a name on there and the person didn't have to be there, but now they're really getting, it, it's really becoming a money thing. And you have to understand that, you know, having children now is like having cattle. You know, I mean, that's really how they're treating them as, as cattle, as, as merchandise for the most part. So you have to understand how they're getting around it. The other thing is um, if you're refusing to do immunizations. And, again, it really depends on how you're set up and, you know, how the birth certificates are being um, done. Honestly, for me, if it were me, I would probably at this point have my child at home. Um, and then that way you can kind of alleviate some of those things. But right now, because of how they're setting things up, it's really hard to, to have your child at home and then get birth certificate. But there's different ways that you can do that and still, you know, have what you need for late, for their future later on. Um, one of the ways is to, you know, if you have a home birth, is documenting it in the family Bible. And it doesn't matter what what religious belief you you're in, but just having that 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 is something that is acceptable. And if, even if you don't have a, a state birth certificate, if you have a family Bible and you get that page notarized, they will accept that even if you have to get a a passport. So that's just another way that you can make sure that you have what you need without necessarily giving up your rights. Um, another way of, of getting that, like I said, is, is immunization. They're doing it now where um, they can say that it's child endangerment, and they're trying to, especially here, I don't know where everybody is, but in certain states, um, they're trying to um, make, make it a forced uh, situation with the immunization. And they say that you can't use a religious um, exception, but if you have an attorney set something up and, and writing and do it, they're not going to push it with you in terms of immunization. And um, you can also um, have uh, – I, I have a list of different things that they – chemicals that they put in the um, – the, um, Immunization. Immunization. Right. Yeah. So you kind of so, want to be able to get a list of those things. Um, you know, if you, either you can look it up or, you know, I can um, uh, send it if, um, if that's something that you want to do. But you want to have that because you, at some point your children have to be in school. The other thing is you have to, when you're dealing with your children and you're teaching your children, you have to also let them know that, Anybody that works for the school district or, um, you know, teachers or anything like that, they're agents, right. you know. And what I mean by that is they're, they're obligated to tell anything that's going on where they think that the child is in danger. Um, and I'm going to share an example of, of something like that. I, I had a girlfriend who had a um, – a child that was in elementary school, she was five years old. And the topic at school was bullies. And so at a five-year-old, 
perspective is not an adult perspective, but um, the child had said, oh, well, then my brother is a bully. Now, again, it's perception, but the teacher, once she heard that, she was obligated to report that. And so so they actually went to her house but she had she had moved, but she wasn't at the at the same address as the school had. So they called her on the phone and basically, you know, uh, wanted to deal with her on that. But had she still lived at that same address, they would have come and got her child and probably all of her children. But that's what they're doing now. And um, so you have to you really have to um, teach the children that, you know, not to give out information that's going on in your household because a lot of times teachers will tell the children, well, you know, you can tell me, you know, I'm not going to tell your your mother's not going to get in trouble, but in the end they come and get your children. So that's another way that that they're doing it is using the the schools as agents. Um, So, so Robin, I, I know your time is limited here, um, can you tell us, talk more about solutions, people that already have their kids gone? Can they get their kids back? Well, the reason, yes, they can. And the reason why I'm sharing these different, I, I, and I know you want a solution right now, but the reason why I'm sharing these uh-huh. uh, information is because you have to understand the why they did it sure. in order to, to, to understand what to do to, to change it. And um, there's a lot, there's different ways, but ultimately on some level it's about a contract somewhere that you sign. And, um, you know, even when you put your children in school, you're filling out that emergency um, uh, card or when they're asking you for your address, there's certain, you have to write things in a certain way so that they can know that you're not under under their jurisdiction where they, they can't just come and get your children. There are certain ways that you have to go back and redo things. And a lot of times, even when you're dealing with attorneys, it's better not to deal with an attorney. And again, I'm not I'm not giving legal advice because I'm not an sure. I'm not an attorney, nor am I a counselor for anybody. But I'm just saying there's certain ways that you have to go about setting up yourself, whether it's before, during, or after your children have been taken away. There are solutions, and it's really about, you know, what contract did did you enter into, whether you entered into it knowingly or willingly is a whole other issue. But, again, it it goes into being able to cancel a lot of those contracts if you're receiving money in any way, whether it be for child, you know, for, um, you know, from from the government. Yeah. Um, You know, that's the way that they enter into. But even with that, there's still a way that you can go back and cancel all of those (laughs) contracts. And you really have to just set set yourself up properly as well as setting your children up properly so that that they're not, um, for the most part, cattle. For the government, because if if you have if you don't have them protected on paper, at any time they can come in. Whether somebody makes a phone call and right. doing something, it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, nowadays if 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 you hit your kid on, in, in public, they can they can um, do they can come and get them. And I'm not saying whether you should or you shouldn't, but you have to understand that there are people that don't understand. And there are agents, and there are people that are, can call. It doesn't even have to be true. They all they have to do is just get a phone call, and they're at your door. Right. And so it so, really is about protecting your children on paper because that's where it all starts. You know, um, you give up your rights in a lot of different ways, and it's really about going back in and protecting yourself and your children so that you can. Once you correct everything that all the contracts that you've made with them. It's easy to go back in and go get your children. So, Robert, go ahead. Um, are you available to for people to confer with you? 
Yes, I am. Um, okay. We'll have to, uh, you know, you and I will, will be able to sure. catch yeah, that. Yeah, I, I understand that. Now, my, my other question is, have you actually helped other people get their kids back? Yes, I have. I, you know, I've, I've, yeah, like I said, it's, again, it's all about, it's not really about me going and in and helping you to get your children back. It's about me helping you to put yourself in the right position so right. that you have to give them back. Right. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? Because I I'm, not, mm. I'm not an attorney. So, you know, like when you say help them to get their children back, it, it makes it seem like I'm going into court for them. Right. Oh, right, right. Well, I'm, that's not what I do, but I do work with people to get them set up properly so that they have to give them back. Got it. Well, thanks for that correction. So, yes. So if people want their kids back, uh, there's information available that can help them do just that. Right. And it's information experience that you have that you can relay. Correct. Okay. Well, I know that you have <laughs> another place to be, and I really appreciate you being here on such short notice. No problem. Um, I have another conference call, which is why I'm rushing off. Um, right. I don't know how long the call is, but I'm going to try to, you know, see if I can get back on the call in case some someone has questions, I might be able to um, answer the questions. But if I, I'm not able to, then, you know, we'll talk and, you know, we'll try to set up. I have a question. No. Quick. Hold on. Okay. Well, I'm, okay. Donaldson, go ahead. Donaldson, go ahead. So my question is about this whole – in California, they have a challenge to the personal jurisdiction that is supposed to be basically made according to their laws, state law, after the entry of a default judgment. So isn't isn't an agency decision the the equivalent to an to a default judgment? If 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 an agency comes in and says, Okay, we we determined that it's the best, we're gonna take these these kids. That that's like the same thing as a judicial default judgment, right? And then, and then, what you would want to do under four seven three point five of the civil code of procedure out here in California is to come back in and challenge the default judgment for with a motion to quash for lack of personal jurisdiction. I mean, isn't isn't okay. that? Okay, yeah. So my question is, I guess yeah. I guess don't we don't we want the default judgment? In some ways, I think this is how the state is actually taking advantage. Is is they they're expecting that nobody's going to know about this? You don't know that you're supposed to come in and challenge for after default judgment, and yeah, that's so, why they're so doing letter, what they're doing. Let her answer the question because we do have to let her go. Okay. Some of, some of the codes that you're mentioning, I I would have to look them up because I don't know them off the top of my head. But there is more than one jurisdiction. You have to deal with three jurisdictions. It's not just personal jurisdiction. They pull you in the jurisdiction on on three different levels, so you would have to correct the jurisdiction on every level. The other thing is, on um, in certain cases, you if you don't bring that jurisdiction um, situation up in the beginning, they don't allow you to bring it up later on. So if your children have already been taken, it's not that easy to go back in and and, and uh, fight on the jurisdiction uh, level. But, but I mean, I, my, I guess my okay. real question is, when do you recognize the the default judgment? Well, I tell you what, let's do this. Uh, Robin has to go. We will have another call with just Robin about this subject. So for right now, let's let her go, and uh, we can get back to that. Okay. All right. I, I, All right, hope, Robin. I, was, I hope that was helpful. I, I'm sorry, I do have to get on another conference call. But that's all right. Um, yeah, I hope that that helped. Yes, it does. Okay. All, All right, right, Robin. Thank you very much. You have a great evening. Yeah, you too. Okay, Moses. Yes. Okay, so you have what is the equivalent of candy tonight, which is okay. people that have been scammed by attorneys. They pay an attorney everything they have to solve a problem, problem doesn't get solved, it only gets worse, and they're out of their money, and you have a way to help people get their money back from the attorney. Is that correct? Okay. Uh, yes. 
I have information on how they can get their money back from attorney, yes. Okay. Well, why don't you share that with us tonight? Okay. But let me say this first. Most okay. attorneys are, are good attorneys. We have a few bad attorneys, okay? However, uh, when it comes to people understanding the law, the first thing they say, ignorance of the law is no excuse. Well, that's the problem with all of us. And the first thing we do, we run to attorney. But all attorneys are not for all situations. I mean, you have an attorney for uh, marriage. You have an attorney for real estate. You have an attorney for business. You have an attorney for bankruptcy. And we never seek out the right person and, and trying to help us with our matters. This is where we go wrong because the bad attorneys will grab your money and say, I can do it. And then he go into court because he didn't call his buddy and got some information on how to handle a, a particular situation at a certain point. Then the next thing you know, well, I'm sorry, but I did the best I could. So on and so forth. Now, mind you, you probably have already gave that person a retainer of some sort. Well, if you understood a little bit about law, okay, and a retainer is illegal for an attorney to ask you for. This is not my words. This is their words. And you have to do some research in order to get this information. Ted, I will see that you get that information, okay? All right, thank you. All right. Now, when an attorney takes on your case, he's going to tell you everything that you want to hear. That's his job. But like most people that I know, when an attorney is moving his lips, he's lying. <laughs> because it's all about the money. It's not about you. It's not about your case. So you need to be very particular about who you talk to. Now, the people that I work with, we know to get an attorney to sign a contract with us rather than him give us his contract. Because we know his contract is written to his way and best for him. So we have to write a contract written our way and best for us. This is what most people don't do because they're excited, their their lack of knowledge of what the law is and how to proceed keeps them, okay, from going forward and doing these things. Well, I want, Tad, I want you to have the contract as well as, okay, okay. on the retainer. So I want you to have those two documents. Okay. Okay. This would help the people a great deal. Now, right. the other thing is when you give an attorney uh, a retainer, most people are afraid to go after the attorney. You can go after him. You can sue him. And chances are you could probably take what he's got, including his toys. But you won't do it because you believe he's above you. No, he isn't. He may know the procedures of the law and a little bit of law, but he's just like you and I. So everything that you may think you can't do, you can do. And it's not necessary. You have to do it through a retainer. Now, a lot of attorneys will try to overpower you and say, I won't do the case for less than $5,000. Well, you're going to turn over heaven and earth to get the $5,000 because you want to get your child or whatever the case may be. Stop. Check that attorney out. Call the Bar Association. See if that attorney credible. Now, when you have a complaint against an attorney, you also... File a complaint with the Bar Association. Now, if they can't resolve it, and 
from people that I know and people that I work around and with, they know that you can sue the attorney. Most superior courts, okay, will not, in some places, will not allow you to sue an attorney. But you can take him to D.C. And you can find somebody to represent you there in D.C., Washington, D.C., in order to get at this attorney. So don't take anything for granted. Understand, you have the power. They don't have the power. They have the book knowledge, and that's what you're paying for. Because at the end, everything is going to end with you. It's going to start with you, and it's going to end with you, not with him or her. So what I would suggest to everybody is take your time, even though you're impatient like I am sometimes and most of you, and investigate a little more. Back to you, Tab. Well, uh, we spoke uh, earlier today about a way to get the money back from an attorney without having to go to court. Okay, yes. Can you focus in more on that? Because I think most people are intimidated about going to court, especially about going to D.C., especially if they don't have any money left to go to D.C., if they have to. Okay. Um, yeah, can you focus on that? Because I think most people who have spent all their money with an attorney would prefer something that's a little more abbreviated. Okay. What most people, okay, if you can find a good paralegal, okay, that will help you write a good letter demanding your money. It's just like a credit agency, okay? What they do is send you out a bill. Well, your bill will be the retainer, okay? And you want your money back. Okay, and, and it's uh, called an administrative process. You're aware of that, right? Yes. Okay, you would do the administrative process. You would send the letter, give them an opportunity to answer you back, or whatever the case may be. And you can do that within a period of 45 days. But you got to stick to the process. Okay. And you get them in default, okay? Now, that default opens up the door for two things to happen. One, you can sue them. Two, you can take them to the Bar Association and let the Bar Association sanction them because you've got them in default. And the Bar Association do not want any attorneys they're not living up to their obligation because they're in the position of public trust. Can I add something? Only... Yes. I turned the judge in, in my case, in the Bar Association, and nothing was ever done. Okay. Let, let me ask the court. Okay, you turned the judge in. Okay. And mm-hmm. the Bar Association... Never acted, right? No. Well, you filed a complaint? With? The Bar Association? No. Well, that's what you have to do. You have to file. And then, wait a minute. With the Bar Association, because he's an attorney, ex-attorney. Well, he's still an attorney. Okay? And then Mm -hmm. they all have, okay, in terms of the judge, okay, there's a complaint that you can file with against judges through the state. Okay. He's he's a judicial officer for the state. See, we need information, okay? That's what we need. We need information. If we don't get information, we don't get no results. If I may. Uh, Yes, please. Go ahead. Hi there. Um, I have filed a RICO in federal court against eight judges, and um, I have literally run the gamut of 
trying to hold these people accountable. Um, I had my, my ex filed on me to limit my access to the court. This was two years ago. The very next day, I hand-delivered my answer to this, my response, and the clerk says, I need to ask the judge if you're allowed to file. And I'm like, no, that paper yesterday gave me 14 days to respond. Here's my response in person. And she went around and around and said, no, she had to ask the judge if I was allowed to file. So um, nothing happened. And April 6th of 2016, I had the judge served with a real, real plain complaint, uh, claim of trespass, naming him as a defendant. I, had, I paid the sheriff $55 to serve him. He was served. I got the return service back. Two hours later, I received, um, well, it was later before I got it, but two hours later, he had the court, state court administrator send an email to all clerks of court, which I have, and it was high priority that I was not able to file in any district court in the state. Whoa. Talk about well, dirty. Two hours later, this was sent out. I got that email by accident later on. And um, two hours after he received this, that he was served, he sent that out to, to bar me from filing. Uh, this was two years ago. Um, my ex with his dirty attorney and this judge have violated every right, have deleted me from my daughter's life, taken my little girl hostage, is holding her hostage, will not let me file anything, and is keeping me from my daughter with no reason to do so. So I filed RICO last summer, and I've been fighting that to the point where I had to do a Rule 60 motion because they were saying to dismiss it. No, I turned in 12 exhibits with evidence. I mean, I've been fighting my tail off, and I'm not making any progress. (laughs) Okay, let me share something with you, okay? We have a very limited knowledge of how the court system works, okay? And the the only court of law is in D.C., okay? Okay, I've heard that. I sent my paperwork there. I know. Well, let me try to give you a little bit more information here, okay? Mm-hmm. And all the other courts throughout the states are inferior courts, except with the exception of the Supreme Court in each state, because they're tied to the, okay, court of laws, okay? Now, we have to go to that level. Now, before you get to that level, there's something that you could do also, which is file a complaint against the judge. I now, did. Each state. Four you times. You filed it in the state? Yes, four times I filed it. And okay. I gave, I had exhibits, I had, um, you name it. And okay, who did you file it I filed it with where you're supposed to in North Dakota, which is the Judicial Complaint Commission. Okay. The complaint I'm speaking of, you got to file it with the Attorney General. Uh, the Attorney I okay, I've done that too. Actually, I'm suing the Attorney General at this point. Um, <laughs> I filed it with him. He didn't care. Okay. But it's the Attorney General's job to defend those crooks, unfortunately. They're supposed wait, wait, to protect wait, the public. Wait, wait. I understand that. But now, when you do that, see... Here's here's our situation. We don't believe sometimes that our paperwork doesn't work. When you make a record of something, okay, and it's recorded, they can't erase that. Mm-hmm. You just need more information, okay? So now that you have done that, you package all that, and, and, and you do what they call filing a complaint. Based, first of all, your, your complaint, most people complain is done wrong. Because so we're taking it from our emotional side. No, I removed that, and I followed the the ABA and the code and the whole nine yards. I said, I filed a RICO with evidence. Okay. 
Yes, I understand. Uh, naming I understand. the judge as what he has done and his acts in violations of 18 U.S.C. 241, 242, 245, violations of my uh, First Amendment uh, rights, you name it. Okay, then you should appeal that to the Supreme Court. I, okay, in North Dakota, if that's what you mean, in North Dakota, um, all they have is your, your, the municipal, the district, and then the Supreme Court, which is the Court of Appeal. So I did that there. See, it's the, that, this is a problem. It is those five judges on that Court of Appeals board who okay. tell the Judicial Conduct Commission if there's any misconduct, and they won't ever admit it because they're protecting one of their own. Okay. Now, let me give you some more information. Okay? Mm-hmm. Ah, there's a court above them called the Court of International Trade. Have you heard of it? No. Okay. That's where you file the misbehavior of judges. When you done did all that you've done down here on the bottom, that's where you sent it to. Okay. Do you have contact that's information what, for that? They're in New York. If you Google International Court of Trade New that's York, you'll, you'll bring up their website. Okay, thank you. Okay. And you will get some results because all these courts are in equity. Right. Okay. So that's, a, that's, that's carrying on a trade of some sort. You're talking the wrong language. And that's what all of us do. That's why sometimes we need attorneys, you know. Let's start talking their language. How, do, how is the best way to go after an attorney? Because I've named him in the RICO as well for all well, of his misconduct. He's a trustee and he has a fiduciary duty to protect yep. us. And when he loses that, well, when he goes past that, you understand? Now he broke the contract. He's got breach of contract. Right. I well, put see, that in there. I don't want to get into all this here, but I do know these legal terms because I've done them, okay? Okay, so what I'd like to ask you to do is to hang on. We do have another speaker that may have a different perspective for yes. you. Yes, right. And uh, Moses, right now, I just want to recap about how to get your money back from attorneys. So you can do an administrative process right. from the attorney. Basically, <laughs> you tell him, here's the situation, uh, you failed me, this is how, you charged me this money, because right. you failed me, return the money. And then Correct. you do that two or three times, give him a chance to do the right thing, and then when he doesn't, you take that process and you present it to the state bar as a complaint right. and a demand for action. Right. Then you have the state bar, You know, they look at it, and then at that point... Uh, they can go back to the attorney and say, well, you've got to do something here because you're looking at disciplinary action. That's right. That's it. Is there a time limit on that? Moses, is there a time limit on being able to go back and do that? If there been fraud committed and you feel that it was fraud, there's no statute of limitation. Okay. All right, thanks. Okay, so uh, the other gal that was had a question, go ahead. Uh, yeah, you said to take it to the state bar. Um, I have done that, and I was flat told by them that, that they don't oversee, and it's not their job, their position, to oversee these bar members. And I went round and round. Now, another gentleman that I know who is very intelligent in the subject, um, he's tried to help people and stuff, and he has gotten the same kind of a reply, is that, no, they're, they're not there to do anything for us. Well, see, that's when you start taking the bar on, you understand? Because they have a fiduciary responsibility, too, to the state. Right. So what okay. are the proper steps to take them on? Well, then, then you take them to D.C. Which court are you meaning in D.C., please? They have a, a a district court just like we have here. Right. 
went to the district court in your state, they have a district court there that is right. over all of the district courts. Right. And so which one exactly are you mentioning? I'm um, Court of Federal Claims? Yeah. You could start. Uh, what state are you in? My case is in North Dakota. Okay. Well, you come under the Ninth Circuit? Uh, Eighth Circuit. Eighth Circuit? Then you start with the Eighth Circuit, and then they'll move it to... They'll move it to uh, the federal in D.C. Then you go to federal in D.C. from there. You got to take it up break? to the Eighth Circuit, and then you right. got to go How over do you the... Take the. Well, I'm in the federal court now with two cases in North Dakota federal court. You um, have to battling... pull it up there. You appeal it there. You know, I took I took two cases um, styled two different ways. One is a, a RICO for racketeering. And that is in federal court in North Dakota now, and they, you know, of course, did their little motion to dismiss. However, I've got one of the federal judges who has um, trespassed on jurisdiction. He was granting orders he has no jurisdiction to grant under 28 U.S.C. 636. He has no right, and yet he was doing that. So oh. now I've joined him, and it's been a battle. Um, you join him into the RICO case. Yes, sir, I sure did. Okay. Now, you also can take him to the International Trade Court, too, separate. Okay. Okay. Take him there. I'll take him there. But as far as going to the Eighth Circuit, um, see, they're telling me that that my RICO case, that it was closed. Um, And I said, no. So I turned in a Rule 60 motion. And saying, no, this wasn't. I've never received that order. I have a great paper trail showing all of their misconduct. And, well, see, that's um, you, you're hitting the courts, but you're not pushing them farther enough, and then you need a couple other courts. Because, see, think about this for a moment. Just step out of the picture. Okay? What happened in a case particular? See, each case, okay, they tell you go get an attorney, all right? So you go get an attorney. And the person that's sitting up there in the black robe is an attorney, too. Right. And the person that's prosecuting is an attorney, too. Right. So how the hell can you win? Now, here you come no. along. Here you come along. Here you come along. Miss Nobody. You understand? And you go yep. tell us what to do. You think we're not going to stop you? That's what they're doing. Now, they're all right. but they go out and drink together and party together. Yep. So so if you think you're going to get my buddy that's over there in the capital, district court or wherever he's at, you understand? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that ain't happening. But you go to their boss, and their boss is in New York. Because remember, mm-hmm. they're only administrative courts. They're not right. court of yeah. law. I did file in the federal um, Court of Federal Claims in D.C. I did file my RICO there, and they threw it out for lack of jurisdiction. Um, I even filed it. Uh, well, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you one important question. Were you in your proper person? Living soul. <laughs> That's all you said, living soul. No, I mean, I don't remember exactly... You got a paper trail to show that? Yes, I do. Um, well, Moses, what do you mean by proper person? Okay. She needs to go up there and let them know that she's a living soul because, see, they're all looking at her as dead. Yep. Nope. I did that. I've studied this for a few years now, and I did exactly that. Living person, living woman, I think I put. Um in the flesh, you, that, 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 you, oh, yeah, I've studied that for some time, and that was in my paperwork. You authenticated your, I, birth, you authenticated your but, birth certificate and all that other stuff? I have not completed those steps. However, I've got well, it. Well, that's what you need to do. That's what okay. you need to do. Stop now, a question I have that. with that is that they they have any time, see, my daughter is on there. My, my, um, my property, as I was taught to say, my personal property is on there as one of the, um, as a co-plaintiff with me. 
in the one case. And um, now when I turned in um, an instrument, I was taught not to say document, um, when I filed it, it had her name on it. So they sealed that. So my birth certificate and hers are authenticated through the the office in Virginia, the Office of Authentications in Virginia. I've gotten that far, far done. I was so uncertain of the next steps, I have not gone further than that. Okay. okay so what I'd, what I'd like to do, um, if you'd like to confer with uh, Moses Moore, you can contact me through sure. the website at youhavetheright.com. But for okay. right now, I would like to go on to our <clears throat> um, other speaker. But I will say that if there's enough complaints about an attorney to the bar, they will take action. Now, it, it might be a lot of complaints, but eventually, if it's bad enough, they will take action. I have seen that. So, And uh, doing an administrative process is a lot stronger than just a complaint. That's right. So I put I, I it will... in the newspaper. I ran it in the newspaper on more than one occasion. I ran it in the newspaper that I um, served that judge. I put an okay. announcement in. A sucker cost me 500 bucks. I ran it for a week. <laughs> every day. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is Kim. I'm friends with you on Facebook. Hi. Kim Rafus. Oh, hi there. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen a lot of your stuff on Facebook, <laughs> so I know a lot about your case. <laughs> yeah. You can't say I'm not trying. <laughs> no, I know. I I haven't even gone even close to that far. Well, I tell you what. Let's, oh. let's go to our next speaker, um, which is Walter Check, and Walter has a very different approach that uh, could uh, either get a lot of results or cause a lot of problems. We'll see. So, um, Walter. Okay. Enjoy. All right. So, yeah. Uh, thank you, Moses. Uh, if you stay on the line, okay. we might thank have some you, more Moses. questions. But, so, Walter, go ahead. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you give us your take on helping parents to resolve um, this Issues. child protective nightmare? All right. Well, just going back to the first speaker, I'm going to cover several things in a row. Like okay. a bullet here. Uh, going back to the first speaker, talking about people having problems with vaccination of their children and going in the hospital and not signing the, the birth certificate. Well, I've got I know an actual couple that I work with over in. Texas, and they have five children, and none of them have birth certificates, and they drive cars, they do everything they need to do. Uh, what, what they did, when they went in, when they went into uh, the hospital, when she went to the hospital, they demanded to do the birth certificate, but what they did was play it really smart. They did not, they said they did not have a name for the child. They could not do a birth certificate until they had a name. They never gave them a name. And hmm. therefore, they could not do the, the vaccinations either because there was no name to it. So but there's no, there's no name on there. They can't have a bond on something with no name on it. So they couldn't do anything. So they had all five children, went to the hospital. They were all delivered. But none of them had a name given at the hospital. And none of them have birth certificates, and none of them have social security numbers either. Okay, so that's that's one thing. Uh, the other thing is dealing with the bar association, trying to fight them. Okay, actually, all these parties coming against you are basically operating in an unlawful capacity to begin with, because they're assuming or presuming your name is a constructive trust, or setting up a constructive trust for you with your capital name or assuming or presuming your name as a decedent corporation or partnership or, or a trust or a state. So what you're doing, you come in and you basically reverse the song. Okay, you, you come in and decide that uh, or, or tell them that you are a living, breathing soul too, but uh, you have all the rights uh, and they don't okay, to begin with. Uh, you want to eliminate the the state as much as possible. Actually, people should, shouldn't have a marriage certificate at all because they, they, the state becomes the third party in the marriage. And basically, it's a, uh, see what's the word for it, it's a contract which you're not, you're not given all the terms of. Uh, so you're not given all the terms of the contract. Basically, 
since you're asking the terms, uh, basically the contract is really unlawful on one side because you can't you can't comply with the terms first of all, and secondly you're not giving all the terms. So basically, it's really a void contract. Um, the, third, the other thing I want to address is real fast is that when these courts and attorneys come after you for whatever reason, child protective service or, or whatever, okay, basically they're coming against your rights uh, as a living, breathing soul from, from the fictional side. But in doing so, they're operating in a ministerial capacity, and they really have no rights to do this or no authority. The only place you show delegate authority in the law is under Army Field Manual FM 2710, which uh, states uh, that's the law of law of warfare. Under paragraph 74, 75, and 79, they have to have proper flag, proper uniform, and they have to do everything under testamentary documentation, which means they have to swear to everything that they're stating, uh, saying. And I also, I think it's under, uh, I believe it's under 28 U.S.C. 1746. Uh, anything they say that is not sworn to under penalty of perjury shall be sworn. Uh, with a state, statement accompanying it saying it's, it has, that statement does not need to be sworn under, under penalty of perjury. Also, you go back to the Administrative Procedure Act, Article 5, Section 556D, where it says the proponent of a rule or order has a burden of proof. They had the burden of proof on everything. So basically, when they're coming against you in any way, any way shape, or form, okay, what you do, you give a notice of lien to them. And basically, it's a notice of non-lease pendants lien. It's a notice of preemptive lien. The preemptive lien is showing they have a liability if they come against you. You're trying to protect yourself. That's what it's all about. So this does not require the court or deal with the courts or deal with any of the administrative agencies, which are corrupt as hell to begin with. What you're doing is you're saying, hey, we have a private contract here, and here are the terms of the contract. If you don't verify your statements. If you can't, if you can't deny everything you did uh, that that happened, okay, and show this under under penalty of perjury, show the cause for it. Okay, I'm going to bill you if you keep on coming against me anyway. After you are hereby noticed, and once they're noticed, okay, you could hit them with a whole bunch of different areas as far as charges, which I go into. I've done this. Uh, so basically, if they if they come in and if they have a failure response or they have excessive proclamation, and in other words, not not uh, coming back with any reply at all, or or having a mission of statements, or not signing anything under penalty of perjury, et cetera, okay, they are basically violating the contract if they continue to move forward against you anyway without confirming their position. So, uh, from this standpoint. Okay, you were hitting them really hard in the belt buckle, uh, as far as a as far as the amounts that you will apply to them for all of their violations, and that's that's how it started out this with. So basically, you come across and, and hit them with this, give them the notice. Then the next thing you do is you file a claim of lien uh, once they once they don't uh, respond or they or they decide to move against you anyway and not regard your letters, okay, you put this in against them and you wind up getting their property from the county records, from the county, uh, not well, not the assessor, there's a county, uh, uh, there's a county recorder, see, there's a, uh, another department there where they have all the property in each county. And basically you obtain the, you look up, a term there along with the county and the state, and you can look up that name or the proper or, or the name or the or the agency or the group and find all of the property that is listed for those parties, and you put it in a spreadsheet. And you show you show the actual uh, assessor tax ID, you show the description of the property, the assessed value of the property, et cetera, and what you're charging them in this particular schedule. And basically, it becomes a non-lease pendants lien. You're putting it on them, okay, and you're the only one that can take it off. It's a, it's, a result, it's a result of a private contract and nothing else because people have the ability to freely enter into contracts, do they not? And I've done this. I, I put a billion-dollar company out of business a number of years ago with the same method, 
and also put uh, some attorneys coming against parties in a foreclosure. I did this, and, and basically they they dropped the ball in a hurry, and the person got their property back. And it can be done. It does work. I've done it. And another thing you can do is once you put the lien in against them, the claim of lien, which is done after you put the notice of lien in, then you come in and notify all the credit reporting agencies and tell them that these people are bums. They're they're not paying their bills. You know, what do we do with this? Here's here's my lien against them. They didn't pay. I want to report them. So that helps their credit really rise to a really high score of maybe minus 10. And then what you do is you contact the IRS and the state controller and you say, hey, uh, this these parties, uh, they they have a lot of income here they didn't report, and here's the lien I have against them. They're holding back this money, and they're supposed to pay me, and they didn't do it. I, I want to report them as, as, as withholding income, the reporting income, and I want a 10% or more finder's fee for reporting this. And then you will give them a small headache with the IRS or, or the state controller, and just a little bit, I'm sure. So this is the direction I have. In other words, you go out, they come against you, you come against them, click, click, bang, bang, they're done. Okay, so just like if you have a house, you buy a nice house, you're out in the country, and you, and after you move in there, you find your neighbor is, is really unruly, he does all kinds of stuff, and he try to damage people, so you put a big wall around your property, okay, but maybe 10, 20 foot wall all the way around it with your entrance. Then you take a vacation for two weeks, you go on back and realize your, your neighbor is tearing down your wall. Or are you going to sit there and say, well, the next time you do it, I'm going to charge you because, you know, I'll give you a second chance. Or are you going to say, hey, buddy, um, you owe me, you know, 10000 or 20000 for that wall right now. I want to be paid. Uh, which one are you going to do? Are you going to, are you going to sit there and, and, and just say, well, I'll give you a second, third, maybe give you 20 chances. No. you get the, they, they know what the law is. They know what they should have done, they, and they did wrong, so they're the wrongdoer, and you come on back and slam them. That's what I do. So this is a really effective. You're not going through all kinds of administrative crap. These people are, are basically, uh, they are liable in their individual capacity, and that's where we hit them in the pocketbook. That's what I have to say. Does anybody have any questions? If I may? Yes, please. Um, with these liens, I've heard so many people that have done them, and then they say, oh, you did it wrong. That's why you got put in jail. So it's a touchy area. Well, no, it's not. No, it's not. What you do, see, the mistake that people do on this, I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, the mistake that people, when they make these liens, first of all, they're not least non-lease pendants liens. And, and non-lease pendants liens are not put in there by the court or by an individual and check it out by the individual. But secondly, mm-hmm. when you address all the parties where you're coming against, you address them in their NSA capacity, which means their individual capacity. Anybody mm-hmm. who does you wrong individually, they are liable in their individual capacity, and that's how you address it. You're mm-hmm. not addressing them as a judge. You're not addressing them as an attorney. You address them in their individual capacity only. And they can't right. bring this to the court and say, oh, they're coming against me, I'm a judge. No, I'm not addressing them as a judge. I'm not addressing right. the attorney. I'm addressing you as an individual man. You committed a tort against me, and I and I want to be, I want to be paid back for your damages, and I want to have you remanded. Do you understand? Click. You come in right. with power against them. You don't sit around, you know, and just and just sit around the table and, and take another slap on the face, another slap on the face. No, no. no. You, you come against them directly. Right. No, I've just heard of a lot of people getting jailed, even if they do their lien correctly. Well, no, a lot of people don't know that they don't do it correctly because I've seen a lot of these liens. They come against the judge in their capacity as a judge or an attorney or whatever it is, or administrator. You attack them individually. Now, I, let me let me read something to you to prove what I'm saying. I'm not just making statements out of thin air. Okay, I'll, mm-hmm. uh, I'll pull up a document here. Let's see. Do you have a template or something that we can follow for this process? I have a template in my computer that can be followed in this process. <laughs> okay. So, so, so Walter's available for one-on-one, and you can contact us. Uh, contact me through the website youhavetheright.com, and we can have a more private uh, discussion about okay. the particulars. Right. Right. Now, some. So I have this in here. 
Where is it right here? Okay. This, the, let me read this. I'm not going to go to all the law sites it's coming from. But there's so many in there. Otherwise, everybody needs to see this. But I'll, I'll, make it, I'll make it real simple. Uh, I do have the, all the law in support thereof. I'm not going to sit here and, and discuss it because uh, it'll take all my time. But this is a ministerial, uh, ministerial officer is liable for an injury done where his acts are clearly against law or where he acts willfully, maliciously, and unjustly in a case within his jurisdiction. Okay, and then how may, uh, he also may be liable in tort for misfeasances, which are a violation of public laws or official duties. And action will lie against him, and a verdict for nominal charge damages should be rendered unless special damage is alleged and proved. Okay, and when the law requires ministerial act to be done by a public officer and he neglects or refuses to do such act, he is liable in damages to the party injured. Mistake or honest intentions will not excuse him. And it also states that for breach of public duty, an, an officer is, public, is punishable by indictment. And the judicially fashioned doctrine of official immunity of judicial legislative or executive officers does not reach so far as to immunize criminal conduct prescribed by an act of Congress. And then it states that uh, this also, uh, in equity, uh, there are certain rules prohibiting parties bearing certain relations to each other from contracting between themselves. And if parties bearing such relations enter into contracts with, with each other, course of equity presume them to be fraudulent and convert the fraudulent party into a trustee. And it says under the doctrines of res geste, G-E-S-T-A-E, a res itza locutor, L-O-Q-U-I-T-U-R, respondent superior, as now having prior knowledge, authority, power, opportunity, prevent or aid, in, and preventing injury damage to declarant, having having been or about to uh, been been or about to be committed, and uh, as, as applies to public officials, officers by the existence of agreement between two or more persons acting in a private conspiracy for deprivation of substantive rights, and uh, and to conspire through said. Um, through said conspiracy to impede or hinder or obstruct or defeat the due course of justice in a state or territory within the purposeful intent to deny the equal protection of the law under color of state law or authority or other as it then uh, also uh, by invidiously discriminatory class-based animus okay, for political motivations by ostensibly government actions uh, and a deprivation of due process, even by federal officials, um, say the, um, we're going down here, uh, even district attorneys uh, and places upon the perpetrators, the badge of fraud, prior knowledge, superior knowledge of the law, will of intent, perjury of oath of office, constructive treason, bad faith, breach of fiduciary or trustee responsibility, wherein being fiduciaries, the ordinary rules of evidence reversed, further being advised uh, to the attempt of a state officer to enforce an unconstitutional statute is a proceeding without authority of and does not affect the state in its sovereign or governmental capacity as is an illegal act and the officer is stripped of his official character and is subjected in his person to the consequences of his individual conduct. The state has no power to import to his officer immunity for responsibility to the supreme authority of the United States. Further be known in the classic phrase of Justice Cardozo, suits as well as transfers may be the protective coverings of fraud that is in the First National Bank versus First Flourishing the fact that the means employed to affect the fraudulent conveyance was a judgment of a court and not a voluntary transfer does not remove the taint of the illegality 
And it is obvious that the fraud did not occur in open court, nor in that sense enter into the decree gender attack. Hence, the fraud of which we complain was not susceptible to insulation. Okay? You get it. Do you understand what I'm saying? They are not, they are not immune in their actions, which are right. unlawful. Period. Can you share that with us? I just did. <laughs> right. I mean, is this something that can be emailed? I've I brought a lot of what you've stated into my RICO, and I mean, they want to flat shut me up because I've been fighting. Right. Well, and I've well, a lot of that. You're hitting right where it hurts for them, and they don't want to deal with it. I said yes. I've done this stuff in the newspaper. Well, newspaper is fine. <laughs> what you do with I, I let them right? know what they're doing. I let, let everybody know what they're doing. Let, let me let me tell. Let me tell you a little story. I talked with one of my friends in New Mexico today. He and his wife, are, they're, they're retired. They're in their 70s like I am. And then, and then his wife was notified that she had to appear to do jury duty. And so she, appeared, she told them that she's not a U.S. citizen. She's not this and she's not that. She does not live in the territories of the United States, et cetera. And they said, okay, if you don't do it, we're going to throw you in jail. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. So then her husband, you know, talk, well, he put together a letter to him and said, okay, here's my bill to you. We'll start out at a million dollars in gold, and we'll go up from there, and we'll, we'll, we'll charge you accordingly. You know what happened? He asserted nothing. Nothing. Right. I put okay. a fee schedule into my paperwork in my RICO. Yeah. Now, the RICO, basically with the RICO, they're assuming you're assuming or presuming to be a U.S. citizen, whether you know it or not, because that's what the RICO laws are dealing with: U.S. citizens and U.S. persons, which I am not. But you I was come against in them my in their, yeah. You can right. come against them in their individual capacity for sure. I did. Yep, I did. I was very careful with my language. I've been researching this for a number of years. Right. And um, I was very careful with the language that I used in that. But it was right. for racketeering, conspiracy, kidnapping, hostage, I mean, fraud. Um, they don't like me very well because well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that, not sure that. I'm not The more people like you stand up, the better. We need more people like you to stand up and do something, okay? If anybody sits down in their butt and does nothing, this country is going to turn into a milk toast. And it's moving pretty well, fast right now. As hard as I've been researching, as many conference calls that I've been a part of, and everything else over the years, I still don't have my little girl home. So that's I, I frustrating. I, I, I understand that. I, 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 I've heard these stories all over the place. So there are things you can do once you start building these people really big time and basically you push it, they, they are not going to have, first of all, they're not going to have any credit. They, they, they won't have enough credit to buy a pack of bubble gum, for God's sake. Okay, okay so you guys, we're, we're kind of at over our hour right now. Um, so if you guys can hang on, I'm going to go ahead and end the call, but stay on the line. I'm going to end the recording. But anyway, um, so you guys, if you if you like what you heard on the call and you need some extra assistance or information, please contact us at youhavetheright.com, hit the contact button, and get in touch, and uh, we can speak with you privately. So for right now, uh, thank all of you for joining us, and good night. So again, you guys stay on the line here.